Welcome to another great message at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. At the risk of sounding repetitive, I'm going to say this again. We have great respect and admiration for this ministry and this church. And let me remind you to appreciate what you have. Uh, we do travel quite a lot, and we are exposed to so many different churches. And what you have here is really something special and unique. So, value it. Amen. I, I'm so excited to hear about the new developments about Awaken and the yards uh, starting up again. And I, I don't think I'm too old for that. I celebrated my the second anniversary of my 35th birthday a while ago. So, I'm still ready for this. But I thought about it in this sense, you know, 20 years ago, we had Steve Jobs, we had Johnny Cash, and we had Bob Hope. Today, we have no Jobs, no Cash, and no Hope. <laughs> And uh, unfortunately, I cannot offer you a job or give you cash, but what I can do is bring you hope. And that's my focus today. And in the times that we're living in, that's what we need. We, we need hope. And you know, if you read in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13, it speaks about the three forces in the life of a Christian uh, that, that will remain, and he speaks about faith, hope, and love. And it's so important to have those three uh, forces operating in our lives. And I, I sometimes like to check whether people have faith, hope, and, and, and love, even in, in uh, the service. So if you are here to, to hear a good sermon, that means you have faith. <laughs> if you're still listening to me halfway through the sermon, that means you have hope. And if you stay here until the end, that means you have love. <laughs> So thank you for that. But what is important is, is we need to, to understand what these things are about. And I've heard many sermons on love, and rightfully so, because love is the greatest. That's what Paul says. And there's also a lot of preaching and teaching on faith. And again, we need that because the just shall live by faith. But I, I often feel that hope is neglected in, in preaching. And the Lord laid this message on my heart long before lockdown, and I, I really believe that it's, it's the time to hear it right now. But some people don't understand what real hope is all about. They have all kinds of wrong ideas about hope. So I'm going to share a few thoughts on hope, and I hope that you'll understand hope uh, a little bit better. So if I can give, give a title to my message today... It's this, the rope of hope. And I want to read a scripture that is, uh, I think, a key verse in the Bible, and it's Hebrews 6, verses 18 and 19. I'm reading from the New Century Version. It says, hold on to the hope we have been given. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, sure and strong. So I thought not only is the message of hope relevant, but the fact that it's compared to an anchor is quite relevant for this church. 
And so um, I'm, I'm going to come back to the scripture and, and explain it, it later. And incidentally, I, I'm going to quote 1 Corinthians 15 somewhere uh, along the, the sermon. But it's, it's amazing how uh, the Bible likens hope to an anchor. And we all know this, that an anchor without a rope is useless. So that rope is so important, it must be connected to the anchor. And I want to show you how to make the connection with hope. And uh, I'm going to use the metaphor of making a rope, but I want to put a spiritual spin on it, pun intended, because you make a rope by spinning it, okay? (laughs) Uh, Very interesting, just as... uh, as a bit of a side journey, it's interesting that the Hebrew word for, for hope, tikva, also means rope. So um, it, it actually comes from a root word that means to bind together by twisting. Now, I had to go and read this up a little bit. A twisted rope is made in three steps. First, you gather some fibers and you spin them into yarns. Then you form several yarns into strands by twisting them again. And then lastly, you twist the strands together to make a rope. Now, please don't go and twist what I'm saying. So let me, let me rather use the word braiding than twisting so that there could be no misunderstanding. So what I want to do is I want to actually give you the, the yarns the threads, the strands that you can go with the help of the Holy Spirit and make your own rope of hope. Because I believe that we, uh, we can take these things and build something. You know, when, when rope is described, they often measure it according to its tensile strength. What does that mean? The way that it could handle tension when it is being stretched. And that's what what we need right now. So let me give you the first strand in building this rope of hope. I think it's important, number one, to define what hope is. We need to understand what biblical hope is all about. Uh, So I'm going to give you some basic answers uh, about uh, questions that you might have of hope. Uh, Here's a very simple definition. Hope has to do with the unseen and the future. That's a very simple definition. So all of us, I think, have some idea in our heads about what hope is, and if you don't, you can go to a dictionary. But here's what I found. When I consulted some dictionaries, they actually, some of the definitions were contrary to what I believe the Bible is teaching on hope. So it's important for us to to go to to the Bible meaning. So what I want to do is I want to contrast false hope, false ideas about hope with the real hope of the Bible. And here's the first wrong concept. Hope is not wishful thinking. A whimsical wish is an assumption without any foundation. And you'll see when we get to the Bible that true hope has a very strong foundation in in the Word of God. You know, it's it's like people playing the lotto. They hope (laughs) that they might win. And their chances are slim and none. You know, uh, I I know they have a new kind of payoff line, but when the lotter was introduced the first time, 
this was the payoff line, Tata my chance. I mis actually misunderstood it. I thought Tata meant this, bye-bye my chances. Uh, <laughs> but it actually meant take a chance. But that's exactly what it is. It's just a chance. It's just a wish. And even people today who buy lotto tickets, they hope, but it's a whimsical kind of wishful thinking, hoping that they might win. Here's a second wrong concept of hope. Hope is not a daydream. Because there are some people who have delusionally daydreams about the future. I want to put it this way. Hope is not an airy, fairy flight of fancy to an air castle in some fantasy fool's paradise in La La Land where you sigh for a pie in the sky one day by and by. <laughs> You see, worldly hope is often a daydream, and often it's a nightmare. And uh, 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 there's another expression in, that we use in English. They, they speak about a pipe dream, where it refers to something that is totally unattainable, some fanciful aspiration. And incidentally, the phrase pipe dream literally comes from smoking heroin. And when you smoke heroin... You have high hopes. <laughs> Here's another misunderstanding about hope. Hope is not hype. You see, what, what hype is an exaggerated attempt to make something seem better, uh, to make it more exciting than what it really is. True hope is based on reality. And the reality that we find in, in God's Word. And then a the last concept that I need to focus on is hope is not passive waiting. Hope does involve waiting, but hope is more awaiting. Because hope is expecting something. And, and you're not passive in that. You know, uh, like faith, hope must have corresponding actions. You cannot just say, I have faith, and then uh, not have corresponding uh, actions and confessions going with that. Hope is, is exactly the same thing. It's not suffering in silence and passively accepting everything with, with an attitude of, of grinning and, and bearing it. Uh, it's actually doing something. Listen to what, what David says, Psalm 25 and verse 5. And he here... Uh, uh, displays the right kind of attitude. I'm reading from the Amplified. And just incidentally, he was in a crisis here. But as a man of hope, he speaks to the Lord and he says this, For you, you only and all together, do I wait expectantly all the day long. Wow. And then in verse 20, he says, Oh, keep me, Lord, and deliver me, and let me not be ashamed or disappointed, for my trust and my refuge are in you. He says in verse 21, uh, I wait for and expect you. You see, so your hope must be an active, expecting, anticipating hope. That's what, what the, the Bible speaks about. Let me give you a, a simple definition from the Bible about hope. Listen to this. A favorable and confident expectation from the Lord and assured trust in the Lord of good things based on the secure certainty of His promises. Wow. 
And maybe that's something that you need to go and, and meditate on. I was actually surprised when I consulted some dictionaries and, and checked the word hope. They, the one dictionary said, the meaning of confidence and trust attached to hope, that is actually archaic. <laughs> oh my, that's where we get our hope from, is the confidence and the trust in the word of God. Interesting, the New Testament word for hope, the Greek word translated as hope, is the word elpis. And for many today, this saying is true. Elpis has left the building. <laughs> because they've lost hope. <laughs> and, and, and this is such an interesting Greek word. Listen what it means. To anticipate what is good, usually with joy and delight. To uh, look forward with confidence to that which is beneficial. To assuredly expect, to welcome. That's what true biblical hope is all about. You know, sometimes it, it helps if we have these acronyms. And I, I found one that I think is very relevant for this time. H-O-P-E. Uh, have only positive expectation. Because that's what hope is about. And one that is even maybe more relevant for the time that we're living in. Hold on, pandemic ends. <laughs> Amen. So our hope is built on the guaranteed promises in God's word. And that is why in the times that we're living in, we, we're experiencing a storm that is hitting everyone. But here's the difference. Jesus told the parable about the two houses that were built and the same storm hit them, but the one that was built on the word of God stood. And you can stand during the storm. Here's a second twine for your rope of hope. Number two, discern when hope is needed. When do we need hope? Well, all the time. But especially in hopeless situations. And as I said, there are many people that are losing hope right now. And I said that hope has to do with what is unseen and what is to come. Now, let me just explain this. If we say about what is to come, it could be the immediate future. It could be um, further away. It could even deal with eternity. And for us as Christians, that's the most important thing. If we lose everything, we still have hope that will last for eternity. But I, my focus today is, because of the times that we're living in, the hope that we need right now uh, in, in, in this life. Let me just speak a little bit about this eternal hope, and this is where 1 Corinthians 15 comes in. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19, Paul says this, If our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Please listen to me. I know we have to live here. But we need to become more eternity-minded. We need to realize, you know, if you just think of it, your life on earth compared to eternity, I cannot even measure eternity. Your life is so short. So it's better to have an eternal hope than to have everything great here on earth. Amen. 
So that's what Paul speaks about. And then when he writes to Titus, he speaks, and just incidentally, uh, as you know, 1 Corinthians 15 deals with, with the resurrection. And he says, that's really our hope. And uh, he writes to Titus, and he speaks about um, eternal life. And uh, here he calls it our blessed hope in Titus 2 verse 13. He says, we wait for the blessed hope. What is that? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then Peter speaks about the inheritance reserved for us in heaven. And he calls this our living hope. 1 Peter 1 verse 3, he says, In God's great mercy, He has caused us to be born again into a living hope because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now we hope for the blessings God has for His children, these blessings which cannot be destroyed or spoiled or lose their beauty are kept in heaven for you. Hallelujah. What a beautiful hope we have. But let me talk to you about facing the current reality uh, and, and the crisis that we are in right now. And as I said, many people are without hope. I did say that hope has to do with the future. But I found out that hope can do something for you right now in the present. It can make your everyday life better. Because when you lose hope, you get Totally hopeless. Interesting, uh, and I'm sure many of you have heard of Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a survivor of the Holocaust in World War II. Now, although he was into humanistic philosophy, uh, psychology and, and whatever, I do believe we can learn something from what he said. Because here was his observation. He looked at the at the uh, concentration camp that he was in, and he noticed this. The people who survived the Nazi camps were not those who were the most physically fit. But the people who survived is people who kept hope. And he says the reason why they had hope is because they had a purpose. They had something to live for. And that is so amazing because I do believe that hope can help you to handle the most adverse circumstances and the gloomiest of situations if your life has meaning and purpose. And how much meaning and purpose should we have as Christians? And you might say, well, this is, this is going on a little bit too long. Let me remind you, the Second World War lasted for six years. We, we're not even in our second year yet. <laughs> so we need to hold on to the rope of hope, and that will help us to get uh, uh, meaning in, in, in this life. The, the two things work together. The key to coping is hoping. And so maintain that hope. I love the scripture, and I wish I had the time to to expound on, on it, but um, the Lord gave me this during, during lockdown, Hosea 2 and verse 15, and God speaks to Israel here, but it applies to us, and He says to them, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. Hallelujah. So if you are in the valley, there's hope. There's a gateway that God has for you. Now, here's the third chord. Uh, for your rope, and I'm, I'm not close to concluding, so don't get your hopes up. 
<laughs> what is the third important principle? Determine the source of hope. Where do we get hope from? In the last century, there was a well-known French philosopher. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to give him notoriety. And he was a proponent of what is called in philosophy absurdism. Absurdism is a theory about the so-called absurd conflict uh, between the inclination to look for meaning in life and the so-called inability to find that meaning. That's why it's absurd. But here's, here's what he said. He said, where there is no hope, it is incumbent on us to invent it. I don't agree with this at all because we cannot invent hope. Hope was there long before we arrived. God is the inventor of hope. We can discover it, but we cannot invent it. And so uh, uh, the message of the Bible is that God is the source of hope. And you know, when you study the book of Romans, you'll find that, that Paul speaks much about hope. And in chapter 5, he calls it the hope of the glory of God. You can go and read it in your own time. In fact, the Passion Translation puts it beautifully. And he says, what incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. He's again focusing on that eternal hope. And then um, uh, he says, even in times of trouble, verse 3, he says, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our, our pressures will develop in us patient endurance and patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So very clearly he says, that's where hope comes from. Now, he calls God the God of hope. And uh, let me read a little bit further in Romans 15 and verse 13. And listen what he says here. May God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, the source of hope, Fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate with hope. Wow. Until you overflow with hope. So where does hope come from? From God. From the Holy Spirit. And just one verse earlier, in verse 12 of chapter 15, he speaks about the Messiah, and he quotes uh, Isaiah's prophecy. And, and here's what Isaiah said, an heir to David's throne, that's the Messiah, will emerge, and he will rise up as ruler over all the non-Jewish nations, for all their hopes will be met in him. He will give all the nations hope. So where does hope come from? From God. From the Holy Spirit, from Jesus. First Timothy 1 1, the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Colossians 1 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the source. And someone put it this way they said, Life with Christ is an endless hope, but life without Christ is a hopeless end. 
And we need to realize that is what keeps us going. I have so many scriptures and I, I don't have enough time. Ephesians 2 uh, verses 12 and 13 speaks about um, the, the previous condition of the believers in, in, emphasis, uh, in, in Ephesus. And he says this uh, at the end of verse 12. He says to them, this is Paul, you were without God and without hope. But then God changed their situation. So here's how I can put it, and, and you need to see it with your eyes because it's a, it's, a, it's a visible play on words. No God, N-O, no God, no hope. But no God, K-N-O-W, no hope. Amen. That's the bottom line. So don't place your hope in your own abilities and skills. Don't place your hope in your job, your bank balance, your, uh, your doctor, medical science, political leaders, your partner, whoever it is. Because all those things could fail you. All those people could fail you. But there's one who will never fail you, and that is God. And he's the source of all hope. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've had the same kind of feeling that I had. During lockdown, I, I sometimes felt like a prisoner in my own house. Felt like was, I was under house arrest. <laughs> At least you, you were in your own home. And you were not really a, a prisoner. You just felt like one. Let me tell you about Israel. They were taken prisoner. They were taken to a foreign land. They were exiles. And um, it's in this time of being exiles in Babylon that God speaks to them and God gives them these words that we often quote, rightfully so, but listen to the background of the scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So that's what God says. I'm the source of this. And then 70 years later, when their exile ended, God speaks to them through another prophet, Zechariah. Now they're rebuilding Jerusalem and the temple. And here God says this to them in Zechariah 9, verses 11 and 12. He says in the NIV, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I'll free you uh, I'll free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. What a beautiful way to address the people of God. Can I say to you, rejoice, O prisoners of hope. Because God has promises and he says, even now I will restore twice as much to you. If you lost your job, if you lost some income, I think this promise you can stand on. God says, I'm going to restore twice as much to you. I believe it's, a, and incidentally, go and study this passage, and you'll see it's actually a messianic prophecy quoted in, 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 in the Gospels when, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And um, I, I, I want to say that hope doesn't come from your wishes or your desires. It comes from God. He's the source. David said, Psalm 39, 7, my hope is in you. But here's the question. If God is the source of hope, how does that hope get to me? <laughs> Very simple answer. Through his word. Because there are two amazing scriptures that I want to give you. One is from the Old Testament. Psalm 130, 
and verses 5 to 7 from the, uh, the Passion Translation. I'm just going to read the first verse that I quoted there, verse 5. This is why I wait upon you. That's what the psalmist says. Expecting your breakthrough, for your word brings me hope. You see, if you're hopeless, get into the word. Because the word will produce that hope in you. In the New Testament, we read so much out of Romans uh, 15. Let me read again verse 4. And it says this, Whatever was written in former days, that's the Old Testament, was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And we don't just have the Old Testament, we have the New Covenant, and we need to focus on the Word of God because that will produce hope in us. Isn't it amazing that faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word, so does hope. And we need to spend time in the Word of God. Let me get to the final strand for your rope of hope. Discover how hope works. Discover how it works. We, we saw that it operates in, in our lives uh, by coming through the Word. And I do believe you need to make sure. And, and that's why I'm so thankful for an opportunity to gather in person again. This is where you can get the Word and where you can get hope. Amen. And you know what? I want to encourage you. Spend less time on social media and more time in the Word. Just get the balance right, at least. Because there's so much fake news, so many conspiracy theories that you'll be bombarded with. And, and, and I, I say this, I'm not like an ostrich with my head in the sand. I'm like an eagle with my future in his hand. But I'm going to ignore these things. When lockdown started, Cor and I actually switched the television off, I think for about six or seven months. We didn't watch a thing. Not even the news, because we knew we'd get the news in any case. And we spent time in the Word of God. And that's where you will get your hope. I want to conclude with this. Um, I, I, I wish I had the time, and maybe I, at another occasion I could spend some time on this, because again, it would be quite relevant for this church. It's interesting in the book of Hebrews how often the author uses uh, maritime metaphors and nautical narratives to get the truth across to us. There are at least five occasions in the book here. And so I just, I'm just going to share uh, one of them with you. And uh, that is in, in, in Hebrews chapter 6. It's the chapter that we, uh, uh, and, and the passage that we read earlier, where he compares hope with an anchor uh, to the soul. And I, I, I just hope that this will give you a better understanding of uh, what these things are about. Listen what he says. Hold on to the hope we have been given. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, sure and strong. Now, I understand totally the context of this. He is talking about our eternal hope. Definitely. And that's what, what we need to hold on. But... It's also true that this would apply to our everyday situation right now. And what amazes me is that he calls this an anchor for the soul. 
What is your soul? It's the seat of your will, your intellect, your emotions, your thoughts. And what he's actually saying, and, and maybe you've heard political leaders and others say this, we are actually sailing in uncharted waters. True, we've never experienced anything like this before. But the truth is also this, we have an anchor. And it's an anchor of the soul. And, and the beautiful thing is when you have these wild, confused, running thoughts, when you have these negative things coming up in your mind, you don't have to experience emotional instability because you can have an anchor for your soul. We've been privileged to, to visit Italy and uh, for many years, and we never had much time to to see any sites because it was ministry all the time. But the one time our host took us through those ancient catacombs, and what is interesting there, they have all these um, these things uh, engraved on the walls, and one of that's where the Christians were hiding for their lives among dead bodies, and among the most frequent engravings was the anchor. Because they knew they had hope, even under the earth, among dead bodies, in darkness. So I want to say this to you. Let us hold on tightly, without wavering, the hope that we affirm, because that is what will carry us through. And let me say this lastly. The good news is Jesus is their hope we can hold on to him. But even better news is this. He is holding on to you. And even if you are too weak to hold any longer, he will keep on holding on to you. Amen. Let's stand. If you are finding yourself in a valley of despair, in that valley of trouble, even in the valley of sorrows. God says, I'm going to change that into a gateway of hope. I'm going to take you through this thing. This too will come to pass. But it would be better for us to have hope in the situation and to trust in God rather than come on the other, come and, and, and reach the other side and look back and say, wow, God was there all the time. If you can see it now, it'll make your life much better, much more victorious. And so I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you right now that even in this time of crisis that we are going through, that the whole world is experiencing. And even though these storms are hitting us, that you promised that if we build our house on the solid rock, on the word of God, you will help us to not just survive the storm, but we will stand and we will thrive in these times. I thank you, Father, that we can be prisoners of hope even at this time. And that you promised a double bonus that, that you will restore twice as much to us. 
And I pray especially for people that have suffered loss. That you will return to them in a wonderful way that they will know that Jesus is the one who restored these things to us. And help us, Lord, to to realize that if we only have hope for this life, we are so pitiable. We keep our hope on the blessed hope, the living hope, the, the things waiting for us in eternity, spending our whole eternity with you. And fathers, if there's anyone here that might not know this hope because they don't know the source of hope, I thank you today that they can pray this prayer and just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Wash me clean. I trust in you. And thank you that you give them the gift of eternal life. And that with Jesus, you give everything else. You give hope. Thank you for changing them, that they will know I'm safe. Not just for now, but for eternity. We bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.